took a double tap to get that going there. Anyone else have too much decon today, or what happened? Been something like that, yeah. <laughs> sitting there sleeping. Either that or it's me. I'm not sure which. <laughs> I do know this much. I've got to wake up and smell the coffee now because we have information galore for the next couple of hours in a program on the Rural Radio Network known as Midday. And we have uh, Bob Brogan with business. We have Jason Jorgensen with sports. And right now we have uh, Mr. Joe Gangwish with our ag headlines. All the news that's fit to broadcast. That's what we've got today. Is that right? Well, well I have my own philosophy on that. <laughs> uh, 1213 in ag news. We'll talk about livestock entries at capacity at the Nebraska State Fair this year. So that's good news for them. And of course, all the exhibitors should be a fun state fair that kicks off tomorrow in Grand Island. In Ag News as well, Kansas Wheat, they announced their winners of the 8th Annual Kansas Wheat Yield Contest. We'll be talking about that at 12.13. Dewey is with Water Street Solutions at 12.19. They'll talk about today's market activity, get their insights. At 12.45 in our Newsmakers segment, sheep are actually making money, guys. How can that be? Yeah, well, they're making money for producers. They're not out selling their wool on the street corner, but... (laughs) <laughs> sheep are sheep are profitable right now. We'll hear from the executive director of the American Sheep Industry talking about that report. Susan will have that, of course, at 12:45. Shaley with uh, Jordan Dukes with uh, State Fair Farm Bill Listening Session. They Farm Bureau will host that coming up September the first at the State Fair, and Shaley will get all the details at 1:17. Some of the visuals you come up with there. I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a sheep saying, you know, I'll drop my coat right here. If you're not careful. The customer says, is that just too much? And the sheep says, that's too bad. <laughs> it comes yeah, from, it comes from being bad. in Mike's office. It's rubbing off on me. Stand by a filmmaker. Oh, guy who hasn't been here for how many years? <laughs> <laughs> wow, Joe. <laughs> all right. Here comes uh, Jason Jorgensen, all the news that's fit to punt. Uh, yes. Yes. Coming up, we'll talk some college football. Also, a little bit of college volleyball action as well and this isn't the first time that we've heard this joke but it it makes sense a new jersey man has taken a parting shot at the eagles in his obituary he died last friday before his death he had promised his friends a funny message in his obituary the longtime fans obituary asked for uh, the man to have eight philadelphia eagles as Paul bears so the eagles could let him down one more time <laughs> Nothing like uh, nothing like some hostility oh. as you head to the grave. But you know what? That's called getting the final word. Yeah, and uh, quite the game last night between the Royals and the Rockies with Eric Hosmer hitting his first walk-off home run of his career oh. off of former Royals closer Greg Holland. I wonder how that felt. Yeah, with two outs. In the bottom of the ninth, it's Kansas City won at 6-4. Rockies and Royals wrap up that series this afternoon at Coppin Stadium. Can't spell Hosmer with that homer. That's Dude, true. Can't do that. <laughs> nice. Boy, that, that was better than the sheep joke. Okay, I'll yeah. keep trying. <laughs> Bob Brogan has business news. Stocks are drifting between small gains and losses in midday trading. Retailers were big winners today after several of them reported surprisingly strong profits, including Dollar Tree. Uh, Food companies slumped after the makers of Spam and Folgers Coffee reported weak results. I wonder how that would taste together, Spam and Folgers (laughs) Coffee. I don't think I'll ever know, but anyway, that's... We're following everything that's business. (laughs) Thank you, Bob. It's all coming up for you today on Midday. 
Well, all righty, here we come with a look at ag weather now, and uh, you got some kind of pesky thunderstorms that just keep holding on in northeast Nebraska today. Paul Perkins? Yeah, very persistent right now, especially from Wayne currently to around Creighton. Continued uh, strong thunderstorms up that way. I'm, I'm guessing we're going to see some hefty rainfall totals from this up in the northeast corner of Nebraska because uh, it continues to drop some heavy rain and also quite a few areas maybe seeing some small hail at this point. Nothing severe, though. All right, that's good. Ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. So we do have some scattered Areas probably just some maybe minor rain and sprinkles in central and northeast Nebraska, in and around the Neely area, in between Albion and Neely, also towards the Loop City area, maybe in northern Buffalo County, and also to the south of Ainsworth. Otherwise, some light rain continues to fall off and on as you head towards the southern Nebraska panhandle to west central Nebraska to the north of Ogallala. Most of our temperatures in the low and mid-70s in Nebraska. It is, though, up to 81 at Ogallala and Thetford and some low 80s in the southern Nebraska Panhandle. We're more in the mid to upper 70s in northern Kansas and right around 80 as you head towards northeast Colorado. Expecting the prospects of some thunderstorms today to develop and move to the east on it tonight over central and west central Nebraska, right near a trough of low pressure. That's where we're going to see the focal point for some development. The best chance will be across the western sand hills into southwest Nebraska and northwest Kansas. A few strong thunderstorms are possible, but not expecting much in the way of any severe weather outbreak for today. Uh, even just a moderate risk of some uh, severe thunderstorms are expected over those west central areas of Nebraska. Several disturbances will drop southeast for more thunderstorm chances tomorrow into Saturday. Currently, the forecast models indicate the better chances will be late tomorrow night and also Saturday night. A few of those storms may also be strong, but once again, not expecting a severe weather outbreak. A ridge of high pressure expands east to dry out our forecast for early next week. A cold front will usher in some cooler and drier air for our temperatures right near seasonal to cooler than seasonal for early next week. And that looks to trend, uh, continue in our long-term forecast. Our temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas expected to be mostly cooler than normal Tuesday through the first six days of September. And also a good likelihood that Nebraska, Kansas, and the central U.S. will see below normal rainfall Tuesday through September 6th. Now, thanks to some timely and much-needed rain, the latest drought monitor has improved greatly in Nebraska, especially in central Nebraska. Abnormal dryness, though, still found in Nebraska in the west, central, southwest, north central northeast and southern panhandle there are also small pockets of abnormal dryness from knuckles to jefferson county and the southeast corner of nebraska moderate drought over the southwest right around juanita also the extreme north central and northeast and also the southwest panhandle in kansas there's a large area of moderate drought in the central from smith center to concordia south to the arkansas river with nearby areas abnormally dry Weather factors in the market include mixed rain prospects in the Midwest and a flooding tropical rain that's expected for the Gulf Coast. Rain in the Midwest will focus in western and northern areas and most likely benefit the soybeans. Recent dry areas of the eastern Midwest expect very little in the way of late season rain the next five days. Light to moderate rain in South Dakota and Minnesota during the five-day period may help a little for the soybeans. The rain, though, too late for filling corn to benefit. Favorable light rain is expected in the southern plains. The big story in the weather, Tropical Storm Harvey, currently intensifying in the southern Gulf of Mexico. It will reach hurricane strength well before making landfall in southeast Texas by Saturday. A broad area of high pressure over the central and eastern U.S. will cause Harvey to basically stall and raise the possibility of torrential rain totaling 10 to 20 inches 
and locally more over a multi-day period across parts of southern Texas. The heavy rain will also extend eastward into the Delta. Harvey will likely impact the operations at the oil and gas rigs of the northwest Gulf. Major damage, though, not expected unless it tracks farther to the north and gets much stronger. And right now, oil prices are holding steady and actually dropping a little. Dryness continues in the Canadian prairies. That will favor maturing crops and early harvest. Ukraine and Russia are turning cooler right now with some rain. That should help to ease their crop stress. Well, I'm sure that my Texas resident's son is watching Harvey down there with some interest. I <laughs> is know he, he in the south part there? He had, well, he's up toward College Station, but okay. enough to get some uh, some swing in on the Gulf there. So Yeah, they're, they're looking at a really bad situation. Some locations could see upwards of around 30 inches of rain. You know, we don't even see that in a year's time no, here. No, we don't. No, which is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> We've had some pretty hefty uh, areas. It still surprises me that there are some areas that come up as drought areas. Yep, it's west, central, and southwest, and then across the northern areas. It has improved, though, in some areas like towards the O'Neill area, where they're out of the abnormal dryness, where they were actually in some moderate drought not too long ago. Yeah. All right, well, onward, upward, and when you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Here's a midday check of Ag News. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. South Dakota farmers reporting crops devastated by dicamba drift. State Department of Ag official Tom Greer says more than 150 farmers have reported suspected damage from the herbicide within the first week of the department opening surveys to farmers. The department says it's still accepting those reports through Tuesday. Greer says the department doesn't know yet whether it will ban the dicamba use or discontinue their registrations for the year 2018 growing season. Well, a watering crops field day taking place today in North Platte. Our very own uh, Jesse Harding is in attendance. The three main topics of this field day is hydrology, agronomy, and economics. And Jessica Groskoff, she's a regional economist with UNL Extension based out of the Panhandle Research and Extension Center, gives some tips to producers about some things they should keep in mind during the harvesting season for their marketing plans. So there's really two things they should be watching. Number one is the basis values. I know basis have have been very weak in both the, the corn and the soybean market from what we're used to. The other thing they should be looking at are the carrying charges, which are those differences between delivery periods. Because we might be able to actually price grain that's going into the bin for later delivery. So those differences in those contracts can pay for some of that storage and you're going ahead and forwarding contracting and having that price locked in prior to, to moving through the field. This field day is hosted in part with UNL Extension and also the Nebraska Water Balance Alliance. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Being full is a good thing, according to the Nebraska State Fair. More on that from Susan Littlefield. Growth of the Nebraska State Fair is a good thing. And at this point, they're at capacity in many areas. That according to Bill Angel, who is Livestock Superintendent for the Nebraska State Fair. We're not, I mean, you always, you always hope that you outgrow what you've got. Um, we are probably at capacity in our beef cattle barn. There has been talk to build a small animal barn to accommodate the, the, the poultry, the rabbits, the dogs for the dog shows that we have. Uh, but those are, those are plans down the road. I mean, we, particularly the second weekend when 4-H and FFA are here, uh, we are at capacity in, in all the barns. I mean, we'll, we'll have eight to 900 hogs in the barn. Uh, 
uh, we'll have close to a thousand head of cattle, beef cattle, several goats, uh, several hundred goats. So we're, we're, we're pushing the limits of what we have, but there's really not much place to expand, you know, building-wise uh, as of now. But the level of livestock, Angel said, proves that agriculture is doing well. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Kansas Wheat has announced the winners of the 8th Annual Kansas Wheat Yield Contest. This year's top wheat yields belong to Spencer West of Leroy, Eastern Region winner. Also Richard Seck of Hutchinson, the Central Region winner. And Alec Horton of Horton Seed Services in Leote. He's the Western Region winner. Spencer West, the overall winner of the 2017 Kansas Wheat Yield Contest and a new contest record. He's also a repeat winner in this year's Eastern Region. West's winning plot was five acres planted with Westbred cedar and resulted in a yield of 123.75 bushels per acre. That is a Kansas Wheat Yield Contest record. This is West's second consecutive regional win in the contest, and he made a splash this year with a record eastern region yield for the Kansas Wheat Yield Contest. You can read more about that at RuralRadio.com. News, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as the Midwest Crop Tour will be wrapping up tomorrow. And they'll get final figures. And all in all, we'll have to see as far as uh, the negative news or the positive news. Maybe there's both. With us is Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. Dean, the eyes and ears are still on that tour, though, aren't they? Yeah, uh, you could say it gives the market something to uh, talk about and watch this time of year. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it looks like there's some interesting maybe variability out there. They're up into Minnesota tonight. They'll have their, their final come-together meeting, and then next week they'll release their final adjusted national yield expectations. Uh, traditionally, the market doesn't expect uh, too much deviation, if you will, from the USDA numbers, but uh, they're watching for what they're seeing out there, and uh, Minnesota obviously has is looking pretty good. I'd say one of the trends is pod counts in a lot of areas seem to be on the lighter side, and uh, that seems to be providing some support the past few days in the soybean market in conjunction with the good uh, sales demand and just general Chinese demand you've got in the soybean market. So how far are we away from trading a weather market here? Well, you know, the weather market is is interesting. It's uh, it's probably the next weather-type market is going to be some of this crop is uh, well underdeveloped, and if we don't warm up and move the development further along, you, you start running more risk on the frost side, you know, affecting that final development. Um, and there's some concern in these dry areas still on the soybean development. So it seems like in, in cooler years, like we're seeing the last summer, it's harder to find big weather stories regardless of how dry or wet it is. One thing that we're talking with uh, people about is the Chinese shopping for U.S. soybean supplies almost on a daily basis. So that means they're trying to catch up, too, probably. Yeah, as expected, anything down in this sub-950 November beans is expected to be uh, a bargain uh, opportunity for them. They're underbought, and they're stepping in and buying this and providing some good support here. So, uh, you know... The market is priced in, you know, quite a bit of bearish information. Who wants to step up and sell it further now as we move into the first part of autumn? We're talking with Dean Hefta of Water Street Solutions, and if we turn our attention to the wheat market, we see some positives here, but we've had 
Uh, eight of the last nine sessions in spring wheat futures going down. So uh, there's room there for buying opportunities, isn't there? Yeah, certainly the old saying in markets is markets can stay oversold for a long time, and especially Chicago and Kansas City have been oversold for quite some time. They continue to stab out lows. But they're in a zone here where it's just simply overdone, and a lot of that weight has come out of the Russia-Ukraine supply weighing on global prices. But, you know, wheat is, is certainly into a value area here, and the downside risk is is very minimal from here forward, it looks like. Uh, can you explain maybe that we could see some wheat export news in the near future? Yeah, you know, the, the U.S. and the Gulf is uh, still one of the most competitive sources for wheat. So I expect us to continue to compete in that area. And, um, you know, market's still looking for getting a handle on where are they going to be sourcing stuff in spite of even the Russian supplies. You still have logistical issues over there. So I expect uh, the U.S. to continue to supply that that wheat export business. Dean Hefta, Water Street Solutions. Go to waterstreet.org or call Water Street Solutions at 866-249-2528. Dewey Nelson reporting. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check our sports now with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the former Husker is bringing his team to Pinnacle Bank Arena as Nebraska will face Northwood Michigan University in its lone exhibition game. That matchup is set for Tuesday, November 7th, with time and broadcast information announced at a later date. Northwood is coached by a former Husker basketball player, Jeff Rackaway, who played for the Huskers in 1987 and 98 under Danny Nee and served one of the captains of the 1987-88 team. Rackaway's in his eighth season at Northwood. Former University of Minnesota football coach Tracy Clays is trying to defend himself after an outside review blamed weak leadership by the coaching staff for a threat by players to boycott the Holiday Bowl. That review found that the university had followed the law and policy when it suspended 10 players last fall following an accusation of sexual assault. Clays backed the threatened boycott but says he should now have not used social media to support the team's decision. And Iowa coach Kirk Ferentz and his wife Mary will donate $1 million to the University of Iowa's Children's Hospital. The school says the gift is intended to help researchers work to improve survival rates for premature babies. The donation will fund the Ferentz program. The donation honors a couple's granddaughter who was born at just 21 weeks old in 2014. Eric Heisman had a three-run homer with two outs in the ninth off of former Kansas City closer Greg Holland, lifting the Royals over the Rockies last night 6-4. to Hosmer says his 21st home run of the season felt pretty good. Knowing how good his slider is, I'm just trying to look for something up. Um, you know, Anything that kind of starts belt high, a little above, is going to go right to the ground. So just trying to see something up and uh, put a good swing on one. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a swing like that that can really get things going for the team. So hopefully we can uh, continue on and keep playing good baseball. Good, though, especially at a time like this where, you know, we're in the middle of the, of the race and we need wins any way we can get them. So that was huge. That was the first walk-off home run of his career. Kansas City goes for the sweep this afternoon. Longtime Minden head football and girls track coach Jim Nolan passed away yesterday. Nolan built the Whippet football program into a contender in the 1970s and 80s. His teams at Minden made the playoffs six times, winning the Class B state title in 1977, just a year after going 1-8 in 1976. Nolan also was a head coach in the Nebraska Shrine Bowl. He stepped down as head coach of the Whippets following the 1999 season. And Chad Henney will start for Jacksonville at tonight's preseason home game against Carolina. The 10-year veteran is 
outperformed fellow quarterback Blake Bortles during training camp and through two preseason games. If Henny plays well against the Panthers, he likely would start the game on September 10th at Houston. In tonight's other NFL preseason game, Philadelphia hosts Miami. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. chance of showers tonight, lows in the 60s. I'm Dave Schroeder. The Judicial Nominating Commission for the County Court in the 8th Judicial District has provided three names for the governor's consideration. They include Michael Borders of Broken Bow, Kale Burdick of Lincoln, and Martin Klein of Petersburg. The 8th Judicial District uh, resides in north-central Nebraska. The primary office for the judicial vacancy will be in O'Neill, the vacancy is due to the retirement of Judge Alan Broadbeck. The University of Nebraska Kearney's annual Blue Gold Welcome Week features events to kick off the new school year. The two-week event is designed to help students become familiar with the UNK campus before classes begin, as well as give the Kearney area community a chance to interact with students, faculty, staff, and alumni through a variety of activities. Brett Enns, Assistant Director of the First Year Program, talks about one of those signature events that happens tonight called Destination Downtown. For me, it's always Destination Downtown as where you truly see what it's like to live in the Kearney community because you get to like be on the street and see the people. And it's where our students time and time again say that they feel like they're a part of a community, not just a campus. And so it's a really important event for us. And we're really thankful to downtown and the city for letting us do this year after year because this is our 14th year of doing this. Well, Destination Downtown will feature nearly 40 businesses that stay open late to welcome students. A boy orphaned at three years of age by a Nebraska car accident has returned as a man to the town that cared for him and the people who haven't forgotten him. Ron Rissell was a child in 1965 when he and his family got into an accident driving home to Pennsylvania. Five people died, including Rissell's parents. More than 50 years later, Rissell has returned to visit Seward, a town that had taken care of him for about six weeks after the accident until he was healthy enough to return to Pennsylvania. People such as nurses and community service members who cared for him gathered Sunday at the Seward Civic Center to reminisce about Rissell's stay. Rissell says the visit helps close a chapter. In Kansas, a conservative state senator is the latest Republican to enter the race to succeed retiring GOP U.S. Representative Lynn Jenkins. Senator Karen Tyson of Parker announced her candidacy for the 2nd Congressional District seat. Tyson said that it was crucial to embrace the president's call to repeal and replace Obamacare, secure the borders, and pass comprehensive tax reform to cut taxes. We want your news, video, and photos. Tip us under the News tab at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Are making money. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. A recent commissioned report by the American Sheep Industry is showing a return on investment not only to the ag industry, but the economy in general. Peter Orwick is the executive director of ASI. Is absolutely correct, and uh, and we can back that up with uh, with a new economic impact study uh, that the American Sheep Industry Association 
uh, commissioned this year, and that has uh, just been delivered and uploaded to our sheepusa.org website. It's a pretty exciting piece of news. Were you surprised? I mean, surprised in a good way at the at the extent of the value of that product, as you guys have worked really hard to continue to grow this industry across the U.S. Exactly right. You have half a billion dollars in sales at the farm gate. And, of course, you know, with the sheep industry, most operations have uh, lamb and wool uh, to sell uh, breeding sheep uh, as well. And uh, that half a billion dollars uh, turns into two billion by the time you take the value uh, through the uh, processing with both uh, lamb, uh, meat, and uh, and wool at the textile level. Uh, in turn, 88,000 sheep uh, producing farms and ranches across America, uh, they generate one additional job in America uh, for each of those 88,000 operations. Uh, that's a pretty cool story. Well, it shows that it really doesn't matter the size of the flock. Everybody has a good, strong economic impact. That's exactly right. And, of course, it's it's felt nowhere more uh, directly than in the rural communities. Obviously, those farms and ranches, whether it's buying feed or fencing supplies, materials that, uh, that you know, uh, fuel, um, you know, it's all of those things that they uh, trade for in the uh, in the local communities uh, that have a major impact. Secondly, obviously, they're uh, major landowners in America, so their taxes are also supporting uh, the, uh, the local school districts and tax base. Are you seeing an increase in in purchases of of U.S. lamb? We're uh, actually uh, this uh, this month now. Uh, we see the highest lamb carcass prices uh, since 2011. And 2011 was record-setting, uh, so I think that just says that there obviously is a pretty pretty strong demand out there uh, that the price of lamb meat has uh, has uh, jumped up uh, to record levels. And what perfect timing, too, Peter, to have this commissioned report come out as work is underway on on the next farm bill for you guys to be able to show lawmakers this is a very important sector of American agriculture. Uh, it is great timing. Uh, we've uh, we've asked the agriculture committees of the, of the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate uh, to look at risk management uh, programs for sheep producers, as well as animal health. Uh, one of the neat things that we're uh, we're working with committees on is a minor use, minor species drug approval process. It's essentially the structure is there for bringing in these new medications, uh, such as wormers. Uh, pain relief. Um, the structure is there. Uh, we are asking Congress to find a permanent uh, funding source uh, to make that happen. You know, and for the companies, uh, if they can have the leading researchers and universities helping with the research and labeling, uh, it makes it easier for those pharmaceutical uh, firms uh, to label uh, drugs that are probably are for sale in other countries, uh, make them available here in the United States. So, this uh, economic analysis helps those member of Congress. Uh, if they have a lot of sheep, they already know it. If they don't, they can see that there's a real impact by uh, supporting the sheep sector in American agriculture. 
Did your report go beyond just looking at the at the fiber and the meat? Did it look at the the other aspects of what that lamb is contributing? We did. The economist uh, took a look at the uh, the value of uh, sheep skins and pelts. Um, they they took a look at uh, the the dairy aspect uh, of uh, of sheep production, and obviously you have uh, you know breeding animal sales. Um, you have your club lamb uh, sales, uh, and you know then uh, then at the end of the production term, uh, you know you have your pole animals on the mutton side. So they did try to take a complete look at the entire all everything that that you. Uh, produces uh, for the American economy. And such a niche opportunity for somebody who maybe wants to get involved within agriculture but doesn't want to start on a, on a grand, huge scale. They can start with a small flock and increase their growth from there. Absolutely. One of the things that we see repeatedly is people look, they want to do something with livestock um, and, uh, you know, for the sheep industry. They don't need a half a million dollar uh, confinement building to get into the sheep. Uh, they don't need a lot of specialized equipment. Those comments with Peter Orwick, American Sheep Industries Executive Director. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. A big turnaround in cattle and hog futures. Let's talk about this with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, pretty uh, pretty active day here in the last uh, hour or so in the uh, in the livestock. Uh, nice turnaround. Uh, we uh, we ended up uh, mostly higher. The only one that didn't uh, manage to get back higher and close or didn't close higher was the August feeders. The uh, all the uh, other contracts uh, performing pretty well. Uh, uh, basically, had uh, a reversal in the cattle. It appears that we've had uh, uh, some cattle sales, and, and what I'm kind of understanding is uh, people are just selling the cattle and, and buying, off, buying back their hedges and uh, taking advantage of the uh, uh, premium, uh, the, the positive basis there. And then eventually we got into stops, just as, as active as it was. And it does give us a slight reversal here, so uh, it'll be interesting uh, because cash will be the important thing. Cutouts were lower at noon, uh, uh, obviously didn't have much of an effect on that. Um, and the feeders are kind of following uh, along with the, uh, with the uh, live cattle, doing virtually the same thing. Over in the hogs, uh, very nice reversal there. I mean, we made new lows and uh, took out yesterday's highs. So we had an outside up day for a finish. So uh, showing a, a little bit more strength than even the cattle uh, um, with that kind of a move. Just moderately higher for the close, but uh, a nice reversal there. Even though cash weaker and same, uh, but, but the uh, cutouts were a little higher at noon. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Shit. Nobody does football better. Four bar up the left side, huge hole inside of five, stays on his feet, takes it in. Touchdown, Elm Creek. He gets in the end zone. Touchdown. The Minutemen get the first touchdown of the game. Smanon's got it. He's to the five. He's in there. Touchdown right down the sideline. The Haymakers are on the board. Let's do it. 
this year will focus and feature an upcoming Farm Bill listening session. And here to visit with us today about that is Jordan Dooks. He's the Director of National Affairs for the Nebraska Farm Bureau. And Jordan, this is really a great time to be doing this, but the Farm Bill is something that's being so heavily discussed right now. It should present some pretty good information. Absolutely, and, and certainly an important piece of legislation and one of the few that really has a uh, such a large agricultural focus and and uh, certainly one that we follow very closely. And so what better place than a state fair for the delegation to get together, uh, all five of them to get together to uh, have a chance. They don't always uh, get together back in the state, and, and certainly we provided hopefully that opportunity. And so, uh, you know, the chance for the, the delegation to hear directly from, from farmers and ranchers, from the ag organizations, and also from an open Q&A session from the folks who show up and, and certainly can have their voices heard as well. So in our in our mind, really a, a great opportunity for farmers and ranchers to come and, and to listen and learn and also have your voice heard. Well, and that's just it. Some of them have held their own separately, but to have them all together, go into who exactly will be there when you mention the delegation and uh, what we're looking forward to or how this is going to lay out then. Absolutely. So we've had the opportunity. This is an idea that we kicked around since February. And we have Senator Fisher, Senator Sass, and also uh, Congressman Fortenberry, Congressman Bacon, and Congressman Smith all, all pledged to, to do their best, absolutely, to be there. And uh, and that's what they're planning on today. Uh, we're going to start off and uh, have the opportunity for the delegation to uh, chat very briefly with the crowd, but then uh, more importantly, provide the, the 10 groups who had the, the idea to put this thing together, give them an opportunity to, to chime in. And so we'll be providing, uh, the groups will be providing some testimony to the organization, some prepared testimony and some ideas as to where we think this next farm bill should go, what's, what things have worked, what things haven't, and then uh, provide some opportunity at the end of the event, certainly a good chance for those in, attend- in attendance to uh, offer some questions and get some answers from the delegation. It is a farm bill focus, and so while we certainly appreciate folks having other questions, it's going to be a it's a farm bill focused event. We certainly uh, hope that farmers and ranchers from across the state will, will will have a thought to come out to the state fair for this event. And if you're there already, it's easy to show up and have your voice heard, ask questions of the delegation, and and also share some. Some thoughts without hearing from the public generally or for farmers or ranchers generally um, you know the delegation doesn't know what works and what doesn't and so they need to hear from from folks they need to hear from farmers and ranchers so they can uh, take those ideas take those stories back to their colleagues in Washington so then for the important details where will this be held on the state fairgrounds and then times and dates as well Absolutely. So the event is September 1st, Friday, September 1st, from 10 to noon at the Bosselman Center uh, on the State Fairgrounds. And if you if you just run in there, we'll we'll have folks directing traffic and directing folks in there. Space will be a little limited. Uh, we we only have uh, spots for for 100 people, and if we if we uh, fill up, that's fantastic. And so we'd encourage anyone to come and attend it. Um, and uh, you know, we we want to make sure we try to provide a, as much of an opportunity as possible um, for agriculture. To, to chat with our delegation, and certainly we have a very open delegation, a very accessible delegation, far more so than, than a lot of states that I hear, and, and so we certainly uh, appreciate their willingness to come to the state fairgrounds and and uh, and listen directly to farmers and ranchers and, and talk about the farm bill uh, that is certainly being discussed in Washington as well. Thank you so much, Jordan Dukes with the Nebraska Farm Bureau, about their upcoming farm bill listening session happening during the state fair for the Rural Radio Network. I'm Shaylee Peters. 
Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Let's uh, bring in John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You're not at the office every day. Today's an example. Where are you today? I am down in central Texas, just north of Waco. Uh, actually, visiting some corn farmers here. Uh, they're in the midst of harvesting uh, what some would say a record corn crop, 220 bushels an acre for some of these guys, which is uh, amazing. Now, because they don't have any storage, uh, what they'll do is just kind of leave it in the field and pick it as they go. So when they when they find the time to sell it, uh, at least until the winter time, they'll leave it leave it standing in the fields, and uh, that's what a lot of it's doing right now. Is the bloated bloated harvest is uh, or bloated crop year has really left a lot of folks with, I guess, a lack of opportunity to sell at some some decent prices. Um, also, talk of this uh, kind of big hurricane or tropical storm that's going to move its way up the coast. Hasn't moved the corn markets much, but I think soybeans could be one of those markets that, uh, you know, as we get a lot of moisture moving into the Delta, uh, what's that exactly going to do to the, the potential for harvest? It should be starting here probably in the next month. So I think that could be uh, kind of a supportive factor. We saw markets like cotton uh, move today on that. Rice moved as well. Um, but, you know, for corn and wheat, they're certainly going to be stuck in this range here. I think you first noticed that. We saw corn finish unchanged to maybe three-quarters higher. Now the Midwest Crop Tour also will be bringing out figures after the close tomorrow. So up until that time, do traders uh, trade the report, what they've been hearing so far? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'll be interested to see kind of where, where the final totals come out. I think soybeans, it feels like we've been a little disappointed with uh, with with the crop yields. Uh, if, if I'm a, a correlated man here, good guessing on um, what USDA will do based off this, I think we would see yields come down. Corn, oh, I, it, it's a debate, but still it's, I think, a less of a debate than we had six weeks ago, and some folks are thinking we're going to be in the low 160s. I think it's a debate now. Is it, Are we going to stay at 169? Are we going to fall maybe down to 167? Regardless, I think the lows here aren't far off. I think this first notice day, uh, given the old crop corn story, just a lot of bushels here moving in the south. I know they don't represent a ton of production, but they, uh, they're kind of moving, moving product into an already bloated market. Uh, the supply chain is, uh, I think, trying to figure out what to do with it all. Um, and again, I think the, the lack of problematic areas uh, at this point in the season are, are creating a little bit of a difficulty for any fund buying. But I think once we get the first notice day here, uh, rubber will meet the road. I think a lot of guys will you know, have, have sold out old crop, and now it'll be about bidding up that new. And uh, I think over the short term, uh, you know, we get a little weather pop out of this hurricane that's, that's going to be hitting the Delta, a lot of good crops down there. And, uh, be ready. There might be, uh, I heard, double-digit 20 inches of rain maybe over the next two days down here. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago.